Welcome to this audio clip, which is taken from our series entitled Multi-Hall Conversations with Jim Brown. In this segment, Jim interviews longtime multi-hall boat builder, sailor, and school teacher Scott Copeland. all of my framing lumber for this boat was about that much money. And, and this boat was neat because it was framed um, in Sitka spruce, which would be prohibitive nowadays, but the longitudinals and the, and, uh, the chine logs and the cross beams were all Sitka spruce. And I think the whole bill for that and the plywood was probably about a thousand bucks, maybe a little more. Gee, well, things have changed, you know. We've got a... Uh, just a meteoric escalation of uh, prices for boat building materials now. And it turns out that the whole Sea Clipper series is intended for construction out of non-marine materials. And uh, I, 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 I think it's just great that you did it when you did it. And I'm hoping that <laughs> there'll be more people who will consider doing it today there's there's a lot of you know really wonderful things you can do with the materials that are available today coming from Lowe's and Home Depot and stuff but uh it depends a lot on your willingness to build something that's not yachty and i i think the sea clipper series and we've got designs now you know that start at 10 feet and go all the way up to 42 feet um that, that that particular series, it's, it's why I'm so interested in talking to you. Tell me what you did with your boat now. Where did you go from here? Well, the boat never left San Diego under under my hands. It was sold up to the Channel Islands, and, and I later reconnected with it. I uh, I wanted to comment sailing on it here and then on a, on a sister ship on the Big Island, which was built with a generator in the jungle, literally. Um, I forget the gentleman's name who built it, but would sail off a of Hilo in his Sea Clipper 28. And those V-shaped almas were, were really interesting. Um, the boat was what you'd call tender initially because of that shape. But, boy, once that thing healed on over and the displacement you know, goes up exponentially, it settled into just kind of a stable place. And um, the, the beams would come on down and would just solidify, and it was a very comfortable ride. And I have to believe it had something to do with those 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 almas in their shape. It was very comfortable. Uh, my boat, upwind, um, if it wasn't hands off, it literally one or two fingers. It just not only did it point well, but just balanced perfectly. And I, I did, um, although I, I found a mast that was long and I it was damaged on one end. I shortened it and got it for four hundred bucks and welded up a mast step. It was it was completely built to your guys' specs, with the exception that it had a little bit of roach and some battens, but. The thing just balanced perfectly right out of the box. And uh, I didn't know, of course, anything about rig tension or anything, but just put it up there, tighten things up, and, and away we went. And, and it was just, it just sailed beautifully. Well, that's really great to hear. I, I, I must say that designing trimarans in a way, in a, in a very limited way, it's kind of a cop-out. 
it's pretty easy to get them to balance. And the, the, the reason is that uh, particularly with those floats that have rather a lot of wet surface for their displacement, when you start to, uh, to heal the boat, uh, the, uh, the mast, of course, uh, uh, swings out to leeward, uh, downwind, which in a monohull tends to drive the boat around up into the wind and causes quite a lot of weather helm. You have to really hang on to the helm, whether it's a wheel or a tiller, in order to keep the boat from heading up into the wind. Well, trimarans don't behave like that. They, uh, <laughs> uh, as the boat heels to leeward, and the uh, the thrust in the sail plan tends to want to drive the bow up into the wind. The resistance, the increasing resistance on the downwind ama hull, tends to counteract that turning force. It tends to try to pull the boat off the wind, and those those two forces balance each other. Hmm. And so it it uh, it's it's just it's easy to make it right and there are some multi hulls that are not right <laughs> it doesn't mean that it's going to happen all the time but uh that's that, that explains the uh the the really uh, rather uh docile control performance of particularly the 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 earlier the simpler multi hulls and uh, i i'm glad to hear about it my old Piver 24-footer, the Nugget, um, it would steer itself upwind. I could just let go of the tiller and climb out on the float and hike, and it would steer itself upwind to the extent that it would bear off in the lulls and head up in the puffs all by itself. I couldn't do it better myself. I let the boat do it. Well, and I, think, I think you're awfully humble. Um, you know, a, a friend of mine had a highly modified cross 24 it had been extended to 26 and uh, had been previously owned by a rigger and had this amazing rig on it way more advanced than the one on my sea clipper and we had a chance to go sailing against each other a couple of times and uh not only was the the, the sea clipper 28 considerably faster it was a beamier and everything but this is in fairly light winds but um would way outpoint this boat too so ah. Um, it would outpoint a, a heavily modified cross twenty four and um, was faster. And um, well, if it hadn't been modified, Norman might have had the right idea, you know. Oh well, there you go. <laughs> well, this, this thing had been lengthened um, with the transom extension, so that should have improved speed, and um, and it had a, had more sail area. So the the basic boat wasn't really destroyed, but it was definitely modified for speed. Uh huh. Well. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, the designer might have had it going as fast as it was intended to go for that particular hull form. Adding adding length on the stern does not necessarily make a boat faster. Adding length makes a boat faster. Mm. But but what happens in there is is that uh, these extended sterns that uh, so many owner builders and some designers are so tempted to put onto their boats, you know, the big swim step business. I've done it myself to Scrimshaw, my old T-Runner 31. It did not help the speed because it tends to increase pitch. The hobby horsing motion gets a a kick in the butt every time the crest of the wave passes under the stern, and it causes the boat to pitch down over the back of the wave rather abruptly, uh, 
And it's not just the boat, it's the rig. It tends to jiggle the mast around up in the air so that the, the wind never has a chance to steady down over the sails. It does not necessarily increase speed. So when a designer designs a boat for a given length, you know, it's not a good idea to mess around with it, in my, in my opinion. Well, that's so neat. I mean, I, I think about your project here with, with recording your experiences, and I just think how many people around the world are going to hear your comments and just go, you know, this guy knows what he's talking about. I, this is such a, <laughs> a wonderful opportunity to hear you say this stuff. Well, any, anybody, uh, well, it's a, w- a wonderful opportunity for me to, to, to ha- have you tell me of really forming your life around your passion for boats. Let's go on about that. Thanks for listening. To find out how to obtain this complete audio conversation, as well as all of the audios in this historic multi-hull series, please visit us on the web at www.outrigmedia.com.